This morning I'd like us to look at the doctrine of Christ regarding marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Um, the things that Jesus has to say regarding marriage, divorce, and remarriage um, may be considered hard sayings by some. In fact, um, those who heard Him even said this is a hard saying. Uh, it is not because it was difficult to understand, I believe, that the disciples replied in that way. I realize that some situations are difficult to unravel, but there's always a way according to the Scriptures, and there's certainly always a safe way. The things that Jesus taught are contrary to culture, contrary to the ways of the world. Maybe they didn't used to be so much, but they certainly are today. The things that Jesus had to say are difficult because of the difficulty of repentance. We understand that if we steal the neighbor's car, that to repent involves returning it. But for some reason, if the, wife's, the neighbor's wife is stolen, then people think they can keep her. The subject can be difficult because of family and friends. And the cost of discipleship involves going against family and friends when they're not walking in the truth. That is, standing up for what is true. <coughs> There's a cost to discipleship. I believe the difficulty of it is also demonstrated in the fact that it is not preached much in some places, perhaps due to fam friends or family or people already in the church involved in situations. And often error is preached regarding it. So I want us to open our Bibles this morning and see what Jesus had to say and the apostles. And we'll begin by going to Luke chapter 16 and verse 18 and read that together. Luke chapter 16 and verse 18. Jesus said, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. This is not all Jesus said on the subject. But to begin with, we'll see what He did say here. And that is, He said that whoever divorces his wife we have a man married to a woman, and now there has been a divorce. And that's what that line means. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another. So now the man has married woman number two. He says that whoever does this commits adultery. And he said more than that. He said whoever marries her, number four, Whoever marries her who, com who uh, is divorced from her husband commits adultery. That's pretty easy to understand. We'll go on to something else that Jesus said. And that's in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19 and beginning in verse 3. 
This is late in Jesus' ministry. The Bible says that the Pharisees also came to Him testing Him and saying to Him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And He answered and said to them, Have you not read that He who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to Him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, (laughs) permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. His disciples said to him, If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. Jesus here, as in Luke 16, is teaching His law. I know that because in the beginning of His ministry in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, the Bible says that from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. Verse 23, Jesus went all about Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of His kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Jesus lived under the law of Moses and He taught people to continue to, Jews to continue to obey it. But He also taught His Gospel and heralded His Gospel and truths about it. Some of which we just celebrated this morning that He taught in Matthew 26. He instituted it before it was ever done in the church and taught about it before He even died for our sins before the law was put away. The old law. Jesus was teaching the Gospel of His Kingdom. The Gospel which we follow in chapter 7 and verse 29. Those who heard Him recognized it that He taught as one having authority and not as the scribes. He was not teaching the law of Moses in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and the Sermon on the Mount. As some say, He was just explaining it. No, He's teaching as one having authority. He's teaching a law, His law. And so it is in Matthew 19. Jesus was asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? He wasn't even asked about remarriage. He was asked about divorce. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And His answer without specifically saying answering no, as we read, His answer is no, it isn't. 
And he goes on and gives lots of information, I understand. But the short answer is no, it isn't lawful for any reason. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Jesus went back to the very beginning of the institution of marriage by God in Genesis chapter 2. And He said that they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Jesus is saying then, no, it is not lawful to separate that which God has joined together for just any reason. If we go back to Genesis 2 and verses 21 through 24, which he refers to, we read the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Jesus went back to this in answering their question. Divorce was not even contemplated in Genesis chapter 2 and verses 21 through 24, because God's design from the beginning was that a man and a woman be joined and they stay that way. But let's go on to what Jesus further said regarding divorce and then remarrying. He said, with all of His authority, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. We have then, if we will consider first, divorce for just any reason. He put an exception in here. Let's not talk about the exception that is divorcing for sexual immorality. Let's speak about divorcing not for sexual immorality. Some versions have the word fornication. That's what we're talking about here. Fornication, which is... Uh, Illicit sexual intercourse. Illicit sexual intercourse. And that would include whether it be a man with a woman, a man with a man, a woman with a woman, a man with a beast, a woman with a beast, incest, etc. Those are sexual immorality. It's fornication is the word here. Fornication. Here is a divorce though that's not for fornication. Jesus said, whoever divorces his wife, now what's true if it's except for sexual immorality? If he does this, and then he marries another, he commits adultery. Jesus went on to say, and no exception applied here, but he said, whoever marries her, this is just like Luke 16, 18, whoever marries her who is divorced, commits adultery. When there is no fornication, this man commits adultery when he remarries if he's divorced his wife and goes and marries another. This woman, she commits adultery 
she's been put away, and whoever marries her who is divorced, has been put away, commits adultery. We see two people now, remarried, both living in adultery. But let's go on to the next case. And that is, what about in the exception case? Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality. If a man divorces his wife for her sexual immorality, that is for her fornication, then if he marries another, then he does not commit adultery. That's the force of the exception. He said unless it's for sexual immorality. If it is, then these things are not true. That is, when he marries another, he does not commit adultery. Jesus has given the right to a man who divorces his wife for fornication to remarry and not be in adultery. An innocent man, of course. But something is still true about the one, excuse me, the one who has been the woman who has been put away. If she marries, she commits adultery. The last half of that, to which the exception does not apply, still is true. And that is, she commits adultery when she remarries. Let's go on to another verse. Another context. But this is, as I understand, the same context as Matthew 19. But in Mark chapter 10 and verse 2, the Pharisees came and asked Him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Testing Him. And He answered and said to them, What did Moses command? Uh, what did Moses command you? Then Jesus, they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, He wrote this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house, his disciples asked him again about the same matter. So he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. What he has said here is just like what we read in Luke 16 and 18. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman... <laughs> and now he's taking it to the woman doing this action. If a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. We haven't received any new information here except that a woman may commit the same error that a man could. And I believe by inference then, a woman could commit the same. She could divorce a man for fornication just like a, a man could divorce his wife. A woman could divorce her husband for fornication and be free to remarry. 
But let's go on to another scripture, and that is Matthew chapter 5 and verses 31 to 32. Matthew 5, 31 to 32. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Again, Jesus is giving His law, but I say to you, in contrast to that which the Jews had been honoring, He says, I say to you. And what He says is this, whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Jesus here is talking about, and in this whole context, is talking about causing others to sin. And now He's talking about a man who can cause his wife to sin by divorcing her. Here's what He's saying. He's saying if a man divorces his wife for any reason, let's take the any reason other than sexual immorality, so this is a divorce not for fornication, then Jesus said that He causes her to commit adultery. Of course, when she marries another man. This is a serious thing. This man, man then shares in her blame. I understand that everyone is accountable to themselves for what they do. You cannot make me sin and He cannot make her sin by committing adultery. He cannot make her go commit adultery. But He shares the blame. And that's what Jesus is saying here. I'm afraid people don't think about that. I'm afraid that husbands and wives who get crossways with each other and then decide they're going to divorce never consider that if they're spat, first of all, that to divorce is wrong without legitimate cause, fornication. They do not consider when they divorce for just any reason, that now they have put their spouse in a situation where they may remarry, in which case they have caused their adultery. That is simply that they share in the blame for their adultery. That is serious business. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 7, Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Reminds me of the question we ought to ask ourselves. Who does my sin affect? And what consequences result even down the road from my sin? Jesus is saying, 
that if a man divorces his wife for just any reason, not sexual immorality, then he shares in the blame when she goes out and marries a man and commits adultery. Well, let's consider the other side, and that is the exception. What if a man divorces his wife for sexual immorality? Then this is not true. That he does not cause her to commit adultery, but divorces her for sexual immorality. If he divorces her for fornication, and she remarries, she commits adultery alright, but he does not cause it. He does not share in the blame. He doesn't share in that blame. That's her doing. He has a right to divorce her for fornication. Jesus said that in Matthew 19 and verse 9. Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. He gave a right to divorce for fornication. If we go to Romans chapter 7 and verses 1 through 4, we hear more of the doctrine of Christ regarding marriage. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over man as long as he lives? But if the husband dies, she's released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, brethren, my brethren, you also become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. In the context, Jesus, or rather, Paul uses marriage to make a point about the Jew and his relation to the law. The law has died. It's been nailed to the cross. And they are thus then, Christians who are Jews, are dead to that law that they might be married to another who is Christ. If they were not dead to the law and the law had not died and now they're married to Christ and they're in adultery. But they're not. Because that law died and they're dead to it. And they're free now to be married to Christ. But now, the basis of that point is this truth about marriage. <clears throat> Let's look at one part of it then. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. Here's a man who's married at this point, married and he's bound to this woman. The woman is bound to the man, the man is bound to the woman. But the woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. She's married and bound. But if the husband dies, she's released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. I illustrate here then what just happened. Here's a man still living. The woman, they're married. They're bound. The man is still living. But now, 
there's a divorce and she goes and marries another man. She shall be called an adulteress. And the reason is because this is adultery. This man is still living. She's still bound to him. And she's gone out and married another man. Why is she an adulteress? You see that she's bound to one man, but yet she's, as long as he lives, and yet what's happened? She's bound to this man, but married to another. She should be called an adulteress. But let's look at the other side. Here's a man and a woman who were married, but because he's died, they're no longer bound. And the Bible says that this woman has married another man that's not adultery. He's died. She's now free to marry again. And she's no adulteress. This is not adulteress. Adulteress. She's been freed from that because he's died, been freed from his law, the law of the husband, he's died. And we go on to First Corinthians chapter seven and verses ten through fifteen. Now to the married I command yet not I but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe, and she's willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise your children will be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbelieving departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Did I read that right? Verse 16. For how do you know, a wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, a husband, whether you will save your wife? Keep that in mind as I back up just a moment. It's significant that we're introduced to a word bound here. Do you see that bound is not the same as married? Now as far as we know, all of us married people in here are rightfully married. And I believe that to be the case. I'm not suggesting suspicion on any part. I'm just not speaking for you, okay? We're rightfully married. God has joined us together and we're bound. 
But bound is not the same as married then, is it? One can be bound. One can be bound to someone and yet married to another. And this bound and married is important to understand because those are the terms we ought to use. When a man divorces his wife not for fornication and he remarries, he's married alright to another woman, but who's he bound to? The first woman. And that woman, and she goes out, that woman he divorced goes out and remarries. She's married to another man, all right, but she's bound to the first still. Back to 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 through 11. Out of the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from her husband. Paul is answering questions. Verse 1, Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me. And throughout chapter 7, he answers questions regarding marriage. He first begins by saying, It's good for a man not to touch a woman, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality. He goes on with instruction. And then in verse seven, or verse 10, Now to the married I command... Yet not I but the Lord. Paul is not suggesting that I don't agree with this, but this is what the Lord said. Paul is saying the Lord spoke concerning this. Yet not I but the Lord. I command. Yet not I but the Lord. The Lord spoke concerning this. In fact, we already saw that in Matthew chapter 19. Can a man divorce his wife for just any cause? And the answer was, let what God has joined together, let not man separate. No. His instruction here is no different than the Lord's. We wouldn't expect it to be as an apostle of Christ. He says a wife is not to depart from her husband. Go look up the word depart. It's the same word that has to do with asunder in Matthew chapter 19 and about verse 6. This is talking about divorce. This is not talking about going AWOL or just as people used to say, well, they're separated, but they're not divorced. This is talking about divorce. A wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. We discussed that in a lesson a year or two ago. But... Uh, without going further on that. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. Paul's making it clear. The Holy Spirit's making it clear that a husband and wife are not to divorce for just any cause. He goes on in verses 12-15, through 15, But to the rest I, not the Lord, say, to the rest of what? To the rest of you? No, to the rest of your questions. And he says, I not the Lord say. He doesn't mean to suggest that this is not the Lord's will. He doesn't mean to suggest that this is not a commandment of the Lord. 
For in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 37, Paul wrote, If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Wait just a minute. Do you mean that the Lord spoke about speaking in tongues in the order of the church? 1 Corinthians 14, no. He means that I have all the authority of Jesus Christ and what I say to you are the commandments of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14 and 37. And that's not meant to suggest that just chapter 14 is His command. Is is, is the commands of the Lord. What he writes are the commands of the Lord. And this is what he writes regarding that. And it's regarding what we would call a mixed marriage. Now in our society, the word mixed marriage conjures up an idea of different races or something like this. That's not at all what this is about. Except, except for the fact that Jewish people would have had a hang up about this. The Jews were not to, under the old law, intermarry. And in fact, when they did, in Ezra 10, they were told to put away their foreign wives. You can understand how a Christian whose Jewish background could have such a question. I'm a Christian married to an unbeliever. Is it okay? He says, if any brother has a wife who does not believe, and she's willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he's willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. Because, therefore, the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. This means that your marriage is holy. It's okay. There's marriages that are not holy. We've already spoken of those. They're called adultery. One living in adultery. But your marriage is okay. And then he even gives another reason. Have you thought about this? Otherwise your children would be unclean. But now they're holy. They're okay. You'd have illegitimate children. That's not the case. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. The word bondage there has to do with servitude. You've never been under servitude to your unbeliever spouse, unbelieving spouse. To leave your faith and to follow them in whatever they're doing, you've never been in such. And if they leave and depart, you're still not under such bondage to them. God has called us to peace. What's being said here then? What's being said is the things that Jesus said. Don't divorce. Paul's not entertaining anything, any new exception. He's not entertaining even the exception of fornication. He's just giving the rule. Don't divorce. In chapter 7 and verse 39, he says a wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she's at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. This is not new information really. It's very, uh, very similar to Romans 7, verses 1-4. through 4. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. 
She's bound to her husband as long as he lives. But when he dies, she's free from that law. She's at liberty to be married to whomever she wishes only in the Lord. What we see in the things that we've looked at this morning is the permanence of marriage. And we must impress that upon our children. The permanence of marriage. You can change jobs and you can change houses and you can change cities and states and countries. But you're not to change wives and husbands. Jesus will get into the exception, but we saw Him give an exception. But there is a permanence of marriage. Marriage is of God's design. Can we take something that is God's design and change it to our own liking with impunity? We saw that marriage is between a man and a woman. That those who are scripturally married, that is, have a right to be married, they're bound by God. Therefore, whatever God has bound, let not man put asunder. God hates divorce. And fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Those living in adultery, God will judge. Revelation 21 and verse 8, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Marriage is to be permanent as long as you both shall live. One lawful reason was given for lawfully a lawfully married husband or wife to divorce his or her spouse. The innocent husband or the innocent wife may divorce the guilty wife or the guilty husband for their fornication. There's no authority for a husband or wife divorcing their spouse for just any reason. Just any reason. But I do ask this question, what about one who's living in adultery? Repentance demands that she, he or she quit that and get out of adultery. That's going to require a putting away, a divorce. I didn't have that on this slide originally, but then I thought, well... Someone may think about that case. We can think about cases and then try to apply these Scriptures. And that's applying Scripture. Who may lawfully remarry? Well, certainly Romans 7 taught us the one whose spouse has died. Or the one who is innocent. The innocent man or woman who put away his or her husband for fornication has the right to remarry. Matthew chapter 19 
and verse 9. We remember then back in Matthew 19 and verse 9 when a lawfully married husband or wife put away his or her wife or husband not for fornication. Both his and her remarriages are adultery. And when a husband or wife is put away for fornication, his or her marriage, remarriage is adultery. Jesus gave no authority for them to remarry. The law of Christ on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. It's a hard saying. But if we want to be right with God, then we'll follow His doctrine and His teaching regarding this for ourselves. We'll teach it to others. We'll not tolerate those who teach otherwise, who live otherwise. To do so would be to tolerate sin. In a future lesson or lessons, I'd like to consider some of the things that some men say regarding divorce and remarriage. Because the so-called theories are abundant. I would want to say that some of them originated in the Northwest, but you'd have to have a full spectrum of history of all time to know that for sure. But in our time, much of it originated in the Northwest or was propagated in the Northwest. Someone says, that's your opinion. I'll accept that that's my opinion, but you'll find many other preachers who say the same based on the books that are written and that which is taught. And the influence it has generated. And it doesn't, of course, just start and stop in the Northwest. If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, then won't you obey the Gospel so you can be saved? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. God desires all to come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. Will you believe the Gospel and repent of your sins? That means change your mind. To turn from sin and to God. Confess your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God before men and be baptized for the remission of your sins and be saved today. If you've done that and you're not living right, will you get right with the Lord? Remain faithful unto death as we stand and sing a song to encourage obedience.